0: It's now time for The Billy C Show,
1: part of the
2: BillyCBoxing.com network.
1: And we're coming to you live from the Billy C Studios in Lake George, New York. I'm Bill Calogero, and it's time for The Billy C Show. Good morning, good day. Good evening, whenever you're watching, whenever you're listening. Hey, we just got done watching the Vasily Lomachenko uh, versus Jose Pedraza fight, and uh, we're going to talk about that fight right now. Um, I, I, my initial uh, feelings on the fight, uh, we're getting right to it, we're jumping right in. No no, no, uh, pussyfooting around today. Um, you know, my, my uh, initial thoughts on this fight um, is that uh, Lomachenko, you know, I, listen, he won. In my opinion, he dominated the fight. There was no question about it. Um, uh, he, uh, I thought he was going to get a stoppage there um, in the 11th. But, you know, normally he does his feel out uh, a, couple of, uh, a couple of rounds, and, and then he, he shifts into gear. He, he didn't seem to do that. He didn't seem to do that. Uh, today, and uh, it seemed like uh, I I was at the edge of my seat waiting for him to turn it on, waiting for him to turn it on, and uh, he finally turned it on uh, in the 11th round and and took care of his business, Uh, but to Jose Pedraza's credit, uh, he got up. It looked like to me that Vasily Lomachenko had a little problem with the movement, uh, the constant movement, and the jab, uh, which surprised me, to be honest with you. Um, but uh, nonetheless, uh, uh, Vasily Lomachenko improved to 12 wins and one loss with nine of his wins coming by knockout. He's now the unified uh, lightweight world champion. He currently has the WBA and WBO titles. Jose Pedraza only lost for the second time. He drops to 25-2 uh, and two, uh, with 12 knockouts. Uh, also on the card, uh, the show uh, on ESPN opened up with Tifermo uh, Lopez, Tia Farmo L- Lopez. Um, <laughs> what a knockout. Talk about a knockout. A uh, first round knockout, 44 seconds uh, over Mason Menard uh, to improve to 10 and 0. Uh, I'm sorry, 11 and 0 now with nine knockouts. Uh, Mason Menard drops to uh, uh, 34 and 4 with 24 knockouts. Um, it didn't surprise me that Lopez won the fight. Uh, What surprised me was that he won so quickly. Uh, This guy looks like a beast. And uh, one other fight we'll talk about, and then we're going to get my man uh, Alex Papali on the line and get his thoughts uh, on the fight. And uh, to be honest with you, uh, we may even uh, open up the phone lines. So uh, hang tight about that. But uh, nonetheless, uh, Isaac Dogbo uh, went into this fight Title fight. He was the WBO junior featherweight champion and uh, went in up against Emmanuel uh, Navarrete. Uh, and uh, Navarrete went in there with a 25-1 record with 22 knockouts and beat the snot out of Dogby. Dogby loses for the first time in his career. He is now 20-1 with 14 knockouts. Um, kid took a beating. Uh, Emmanuel uh, did what he had to do. And dominated the fight. I mean, there was no other way uh, you could describe it. He totally uh, dominated uh, the fight from the beginning uh, until the end. Uh, so we'll uh, uh, we'll see what's uh, uh, up with that. We'll get the thoughts of uh, my man Alex Papali and Dax Khan. Uh, we'll get uh, Dax Khan on here uh, first, and we'll get his thoughts uh, on the fight. Uh, he'll come up here in a second. But uh, back to Lomachenko. Uh, in my opinion, uh, Vasily Lomachenko, pound for pound, uh, number one, or is he? Um, the guy is uh, uh, extremely uh, talented, very fun to watch. Uh, but uh, is Terrence Crawford uh, pound for pound, number one? Um, I don't know. I don't know. I, you know, we got to assume he had the surgery, Lomachenko. Uh, you know, he, uh, he did seem a little rusty. Uh, at the beginning. And, um, you know, I, he, he, I, I think it was the height. I, I don't know. You know, I, I, I know one thing for sure. Lomachenko um, does not have the knockout power uh, that he had in the lower weights. Now, before you say, what are you talking about? He dropped Pedraza. Yeah, he dropped Pedraza with beautiful body shot. The second knockdown was a beautiful body shot. Um, but uh, he didn't break him down as much. I, I don't know. I, I I I don't know what to think. Joining me right now, I'll get his thoughts uh, on the fight uh, is my man uh, uh, Dax Khan. What's up, Dax?
2: Good evening. Good morning. Depending
1: yeah. on where you are. <laughs> yeah. Hey, Dax. Man, I, I'm 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 stuck, man. I don't know what to make of this performance. I mean, Lomachenko looked great in the eleventh round. Um, uh, the rest of the fight, I mean, there was spurts of, uh, you know, regular Lomachenko. But for the most part, I was on the edge of my seat waiting for him to do what he did in the 11th round. What was your thoughts on the fight?
2: Well, um, if you pay, you know, you watch Lomachenko from the start, he had, you know, uh, foot movement and control from the open, he had his foot on the outside, you know, Pedraza moved a lot, and because he's so lanky and tall, I think that bothered Lomachenko very much the same way that um, Jorge Linares did, with the exception that Jorge Linares is a harder puncher and a more valiant puncher, so it took, um, you know, Lomachenko a little time, you know, to close the gap, and, you know, Pedraza... Again, you know, he fought a very awkward fight. And, you know, Lomachenko was always at his best inside close. And he wasn't able to do that until Pedraza tired out. But, you know, Pedraza, because he was moving around so much, he wasn't really landing anything significant. What, you know, were winning those rounds for Lomachenko. When he landed, they were the clean pu- punches. They were the more solid punches. You know, it's hard. You can't really, you know... um discredit uh you know his performance i you know he's kind of suffering that same fate that maybe uh and andre ward uh, roy jones uh, even floyd mayweather suffered where you know if they don't just dominate every single opponent at every single second of the fight all of a sudden there's something wrong all of a sudden you know they didn't do as well as they were supposed to and their performances you know brought down levels pedraza you know regard uh Regardless of his loss to um, to uh, Davis, you know, he's a world-class fighter. He's not a pound-for-pound fighter, but he's a world-class fighter. So you you have to expect that, and you made a valid point. He moved up to lightweight. He's not going to be the same type of puncher he was at the lower weight.
1: And we saw that. Uh, at least that's what I thought I saw. But, you know, I, I mean, you know more than anybody what, what surgeries do, uh, taking a toll on your body. Did the performance we see tonight, and and by all you know means, I'm not knocking the performance. I mean, he won the fight. Uh, but do you think that this was, uh, you know, kind of uh, should we look at this as a Lomachenko being a little rusty, uh, coming off of uh, a surgery? It wasn't a year ago, you know. So I mean, he he did get right back into the ring. Um, do, do you think that had any bearing on his performance tonight?
2: Maybe it did. He says it didn't. You know, uh, Lomachenko, one of the beauties about him, what makes Lomachenko Lomachenko, for lack of a better expression, is he's a thinking fighter. You know, he doesn't make many mistakes and he doesn't do anything foolish and he doesn't do anything, you know, to jeopardize What's going to, you know, his win inside there? Of course, he always wants to put on a dominant performance and make the crowd happy, but that's not going to happen all the time with every opponent. And when your opponent is moving around a lot like Pedraza did tonight, you know, every single round, you know, it's hard to go in there and make that phone booth type fight. Maybe if Pedraza was standing in close. Lomachenko would look more dominant, but, you know, it was a win. It was a solid win. Of course, I do believe that uh, that one scorecard was way out of line and so unfair to Pedraza, the 119-107. Uh, I had 117-108 um, due to that two, um, that 10-7 that, uh, uh, round. But, you know, it, it's hard to be, you know, tough on Lomachenko. I was a little tough on Lomachenko with the uh, Linares fight, but when you go back and you look at it, you say to yourself, you know, the guy did what he's supposed to do. He put on a masterclass performance against a world-caliber fighter, and that's what he did tonight.
1: Yep. No, uh, you know, uh, We're. I'm looking at Terrence Crawford, you know, he was in the audience, uh, and, I, you know, I've always said, we've talked a lot about Lomachenko being pound-for-pound pound number one, and, um, you know, you can make an argument that Terrence Crawford could be. Well, after this, uh, at least I make an argument, after this performance – Um, I give, I was saying that they were tied, Dax, but after this performance, and, and you know what, the pound for pound, you know, my, my whole opinion on pound for pound rankings, not, uh, I'm off the subject here, but, uh, you know, it's not like you're etched. You make it to pound for pound. It's not like you're etched in at number one. Each performance could, you know, dictate whether you move up or down or whatever. And I've said that TC and, uh, uh, Lomachenko were kind of both pound for pound number one because I, I, I that was just my thought. Tonight I think Lomachenko dropped down to one point five. He's number he's number one point five, Dax. <laughs> he's
2: number one point yeah. five. <laughs> now, now we're at the point. Yeah,
1: there. no. Uh, uh, but my point my point is is that um, you know for the idiots that don't think that Terence Crawford has fought. You and I just had this conversation on the phone the other day about Terence Crawford. And, you know, the funny thing is, is I can't believe that people don't think that he's fought top opposition. I mean, Lomachenko certainly has. He's done something that no one else has, coming right out of the amateurs and and fighting the level of opposition that he that he has. And, and that's why he, he has such a large following. But like we talked about, Terrence Crawford is no slouch.
2: I don't think anybody uh, thought he was. Um, whoever did... I don't know what fight they were watching or if they ever watched a fight or maybe they meant Terrence Crawford, somebody they went to school with. Definitely not Bud Crawford. Right. But um uh, <laughs> uh you mentioned the surgery. Uh Lomachenko, remember, even though he doesn't take a lot of punishment inside the ring, and that's you know, that's his style. One of the beauties of his style, you know, plus when he's uh offensive, his offensive is, you know, it's really pleasing to look at. Remember, his amateur career, the people misconstrue well, they wear the headgear, the rounder, shorter, it's more about volume punching, not uh, power punching, it wears a lot on the body, there's a lot of years of all that training, training itself continuously, making weight itself continuously is going to wear on the body, even though Lomachenko's only 30 years old, and I'm not saying that um, he should be considered a guy in decline, or, or that the surgery took a lot out of him, but you know, Because of all that, maybe it's just taking a little bit longer for him to kind of heal, uh, to get to uh, fully 100%. Who knows? The next fight is what's going to tell us. Uh, you know, that definitely, as far as pound for pound goes, I was going back and forth listening to Roy Jones. He explained that pound for pound beautifully during the uh, Eric, uh, 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 during the Estrada fight on HBO when he said, you know, what makes a pound for pound fighter is not one dimensional, not being dominant, and not the wins. It's a guy that can sit there and adjust and be dominant in every way. And that's what Lomachenko does, and that's what Crawford does. They're dominant in every way. They can adjust. They're great at offense. They're great at defense. They can move laterally. They can move forward. They can fight going backwards. So, you know, it, you know, it's really unfair to be so hard on him, and it's even more unfair to Jose Pedraza. You know, t- it's kind of taken away from his performance, which, you know, he fought great tonight, and especially considering the caliber of fighter that uh, Lomachenko is. So it's a credit to both of the guys. It's not fair to either one of them. It was a good fight, not the most exciting, not the most aesthetically pleasing. But it was a solid fight.
1: You know, I give Jose Pedraza a lot of credit um, for sure because he stuck to his game plan. He threw a lot of punches. He was busy. And the movement, I, you know, I've seen Lomachenko fight other fighters that try to, uh, you know, be busy against him, try to have the movement. But they didn't have the success. Lomachenko, um, you know, would, would, would do the feeling out just like he did against Pedraza for maybe three or four rounds at the most – and then we see him kick into what we saw in the eleventh round, and he carries it for the rest of the fight until the fight is over. Uh, he didn't do that tonight, Dax. And I, you know, I was wondering why. Like, um, is he? Is the height? It was Pedraza showing him something more than than he was uh, expecting? And the 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 uh, uh, tentativeness that he ha- that he showed for letting his hands go until the eleventh round. He started getting fluid, you know, uh, I'd say from the ninth round on, he he started feeling a little more comfortable like he was going to go in for the kill. And then when he did in the 11th round, Pedraza had no answer. It really, really made me wonder why he didn't do that sooner. What's your thoughts?
2: Pedraza, when you watch the fight, every time Lomachenko landed something clean, Pedraza, because he was moving so well, it made it hard for Lomachenko to, you know, follow up with the combination. And Lomachenko's always at his best in that close range. So Pedraza constantly moving like that is what made it difficult for Lomachenko, in my opinion, especially when you add in that long reach advantage that that Pedraza had. So you know it, it's you know, it's really unfair in my opinion to, to uh, nitpick either one of these guys. Again, we expect these dominant performances every single time out, but it just can't be now. If in his next fight and his fight afterwards we see Lomachenko perform the same, then you know, then we have a reason to sit there and say to ourselves, okay, maybe he's lost it, maybe the surgeries took something out of him, maybe because of the long amateur career, or you know, maybe Jose uh, Pedraza just actually better than everybody gives him credit for. One of the things that um, I wanted to ask you is um, Anatoly Lomachenko, as a trainer, is this guy not getting really the credit that he deserves when? And you think about it. Uh, not only with Alexander Vodzik, not only with Alexander Usyk, and now you know, and of course with uh, his son, uh, Vasily Lomachenko, you have two guys that are top five pound for pound fighters. All three are undefeated, and you, um, two of the guys are lineal champions as well. I mean, you know exactly how good is he, and you know what maybe should some of these promote, um trainers, or these fighters around in uh, the United States or even the UK be looking? Uh, to incorporate into their style and to their skill set to bring them up that next level and get them, baby, back on par with all these fighters from the other countries that just seem to be invading uh, invading this country and dominating the sport and making the American fighters seem, you know, just two and three steps below.
1: First of all, I, it, it's, I'm glad you brought it up because... I think that he gets to pick whoever he wants. Any fighter that wouldn't want to work with this guy is foolish. But what I like about him, and I think that his talent speaks for itself, just the way you explained, you know, pointing out the fighters that he has and how good those fighters are, a uh, great point. But you know what I like the most about him? I like the fact that he lets the fighter be the guy that gets the the limelight, so to speak. This is a guy that enjoys being in the background and lets his fighters speak for his own uh, talent. And and too often in the sport today, we have a trainer that all of a sudden is uh, Joe Schmo Hollywood. You know, he thinks uh, you know it's it's, uh, it's Joe 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 Bag of Donuts against Vinny Gubbatz, featuring trainers such and such. Just the way a a, a referee shouldn't be. You know, uh, known for the fight. You know, for the job he did in the fight, because he got all the cameras. Like, like Harvey Dock did a great job in that fight uh, with uh, Pedraza and and uh, Lomachenko, in my opinion. But uh, Lomachenko's dad, as a trainer, I think he's got to be up there, Dax. He's got to be one of the tops, and and, and I think everyone should uh, give him that credit.
2: Yeah, he doesn't talk to the media, and like you stated, he doesn't look for that limelight. The only time, really, you notice him is in between rounds, and you don't really notice him being um, over-animated. He doesn't really talk a lot. He says whatever adjustments need to be made. And that's what, you know, the, the great trainers of the past used to do and you're 100% correct a lot of times now what we see are these trainers wanting just as much of the spotlight as their fighters and we don't see the Emanuel Stewart types or the Angelo Dundee types where you know the only time that we really see them and notice them or even a lot of uh, Teddy Atlas type is in between rounds when they're doing their best work and telling their fighters what adjustments to be made and um, you know giving their fighters the pep talks when they're down and behind Um, Anatoly Lomachenko his guys they just seem so dominant they don't need these pep talks but he definitely is in my opinion has to, or has to be boxing's uh best kept secret maybe just because the lack of media coverage or the lack of uh, exposure that uh, he gives himself
1: um let's talk a little about no I, i'm with you i i think uh i think he does it purposely obviously he does it purposely by not uh taking you know any uh any limelight and I think uh, he lets his fighters do the talking for him, and and they they speak volumes. Trust me, they 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 all do, and they're all talented. Like you said, they're not just. It's not like he just has a crop of good fighters, and he's holding a water bucket, you know, like uh, Freddie Roach did in uh, in his last fight that he uh, was in the corner of. But um, I, I I don't know water water bottle spit bucket. Uh, you know, it's getting. It's getting late. Tiafimo Lopez, what was your thoughts on that fight? 44-second knockout over Mason Menard. Destroyed the guy. This kid's for real.
2: You know, there's not really much to say about it. You know, it was over so fast. You know, it was a sensational knockout. Obviously, it was exciting, but... You know, based off that, you know, it's really not much to uh, to say if uh, you want to compare something like that. And I'm not taking anything away from him. It's kind of like how with Donna Stevenson when he went out and he knocked out Chad Dawson. You know, there really wasn't much to say about the performance other than wow, that was a sensational knockout. But you know, he's definitely talented. He uh, he's a former Olympian and he's somebody that you want to keep an eye out for. And as for uh, maybe, who knows? Maybe another two or three fights if he continues to be dominant the way he is, we could see him against Lomachenko.
1: I tell you, the kid looked good, young, powerful, um, you know, very sellable. I'm looking forward to his career as it develops. Now, a fight that, you know, the last words I heard about uh, Isaac Dogby was you said to me, don't forget, man, Isaac Dogby's fighting on Saturday, too. You know, you were so excited to see him, as was I. And, um, you know, I I was a little disappointed that his pops didn't stop the fight. This kid took a beating uh in the post fight you know interview that they did he seemed like uh he, he was grasping for his thoughts um do you think this fight could have ruined
2: this kid you know i agree he did take a beating and i was excited to see uh uh dog lay in fight you know he's an exciting fighter um he, he travels on the road he has gone the distance a few times um these two guys, you know, you got to figure at 23 and 24 years old, in their very best of prime, yet still getting better. I think their combined opponent uh, win-loss ratio going into this fight tonight was something around 158, 14, and 4. You know, Bay is definitely made-for-TV-style type fighter. But, you know, I agree, he did take a lot of punishment. I think they kind of um, underestimated Nervatis here. Uh, Nervatis to me, when I'm looking at the fight, I'm saying to myself, this kid reminds me of kind of a harder punching leo santa cruz the way uh you know with the volume he's tall he's lanky and i think if this kid should happen to develop a solid jab he was de- he would definitely be uh you know a monster a beast for anybody i would certainly love to see him against ray vargas next and whoever would win that is uh the best in the division as for Isaac Dogbo i also was thinking during the fight you know, maybe it's time for him to move on with somebody else besides his father. We have seen in the past so many of these father-son relationships where they've been together from the start, where the father only has such, uh, you know, has limited knowledge. He's brought them only so far, and I think that's what we're seeing with Isaac Dogbe here considering, as you stated, you know, the father, you got a little bit of emotions. You want your son to uh, exceed to these levels, and maybe his head wasn't thinking clearly, and he allowed his son to take a little bit too much punishment. And, of course, what about the corner? How could they have allowed their own corner to become so wet as, as they fell twice in that corner?
1: Yeah, that was—I'm surprised they didn't stop the action and force them to clean it. But, uh, you know, one, one thing I wanted to to add about the, uh, the, the Dog Bowl fight— uh, or dog, how do you pronounce his last name? Dog B or Dog, dog Bay? Dog Bay. Dog Bay. I'm sorry, uh, Isaac. But, uh, you know, the, the, the thing about that fight, which surprised me, I, I mean, we've heard about it after fights, but I don't think I recall hearing a fighter say in a post-fight interview, I mean, in the ring, saying, you know, we took our opponent lightly and we didn't really train as hard this time. I mean, fighters have done it throughout the history of the sport, but I can't recall hearing a fighter actually admit it so soon after the fight. What was your thoughts on that?
2: It was honesty. You know, he was, he was out there. He was being – both guys were very classy after the fight. You know, he, he was being honest. And to tell you the truth – When he did uh, assert himself inside close, he was dominant, except, again, very much like Lomachenko, he wasn't able to really close that distance and maintain inside, and on the outside, he just got picked apart. Um, He he abandoned his jab. You know, Dog Bay is a guy that, you know, his style kind of is reminiscent of a mini Mike Tyson where he has to use those short arms and jab himself in, and once he's inside, you know, he's a bully. You know, he has that short bull type body. And which, again, reinforces why I really don't think his father is the right trainer for him anymore because the kid is talented. Hopefully he didn't really lose anything in this fight physically and he can go on. But the father, you know, really in between rounds didn't give any um, advice. He didn't tell him anything that was going to help him or change. And eventually Dog Bay, looked, um, you know, he looked desperate. You know, Nervate, you know, is this, this kid right here where he just came out of nowhere and suddenly I think he became a star.
1: Yeah, he you know, he he had endless energy, it seemed, Dax, and uh, he just kept the pressure on, and uh, Dog Bay had no answer. I I mean, you know, he he hit him as hard as he could. He landed, Dog Bay I'm talking about, landed some hard flush shots, and uh, Emmanuel didn't go anywhere, and I think it was disheartening uh, when you add that to, uh, you know, a, an obvious uh, poor training camp. And I also agree with you about lack of instruction from his father, and that's it, you know. That that's something. You when when you look at it, the the story is similar to the porters. You know, Sean Porter's uh, father didn't have any training as a trainer in the sport of boxing. Learned it for his son, and they've developed nicely. It's the same story with Dog Bay. You know, they they were talking about them training and sparring with the family. I mean, uh, you know, my my. Uh, I used to spar with my little brother, too. I felt like a real world beater, you know. But then again, he was a lot younger. So I, I you know, I don't know. I don't know if that with, was the uh, the, with Dog the right Bay thing.
2: And Romanchenko, we kind of seen, um, you know, a contrast in criticisms here. You know, Dog Bay, this is a guy who, because of what everybody was saying about him and his last few performances where he knocked guys out, last year he uh, had that one of the knockout, you know, knockout candidates of the year, he felt that against this guy who was really unknown, who had a competition at a lower level, he was going to go out there and do the same. And because of his style and because of all the accolades and because of how his father feeds his head, literally tells him that uh, he's been ordained or appointed by the gods that he's going to be the next great thing. You know, he was really saying to himself, he was kind of in doubt. He didn't understand why this guy was staying in there and applying the pressure when this guy was supposed to lay down every time he hit him. Kind of like Vladimir Klitschko stated about his loss to Corey Sanders. When Cory Sanders had hit him and hurt him, Vladimir Klitschko said, I'm standing, I'm laying on the ropes, and this guy's hitting me, he's hurting me, and all I'm saying to myself is, how can this little squirt be doing this to me? I'm supposed to be, knock him out. He was supposed to be out already. I hit him as hard as I could. You know, Dog Bay, more or less the same thing. But, again, he's only 24 years old. He's only had 20 fights, or tonight was his 21st fight. He has some, uh, you know, some more learning to do and uh, better matchmaking, maybe take it down a, uh, another step, even though he's had a world, uh, world title belt, to those guys below and those guys that can actually test him and help him round out his skill set. He was rushed a little bit too much, maybe.
1: You know, Dax, it goes back to what I say time and time again. You know, I, the path to a title fight in today's world of boxing doesn't help these fighters. We, we could possibly have seen that uh, in more than one fight tonight. Now, first of all, no disrespect to Mason Menard, but this is a, a clear example of a guy. You know, he's yeah, he's got 34 wins. But if you look at his resume and see who he fought, that whole Southern Circuit, I mean, that does not uh, say that this guy is, is that great. You can't just look by the number. Same thing with Dog Bay. Yeah, he's got 20 wins, but who did he fight? You know, they, they're pounding their chest. The, the The promoters and management of young fighters do not give their fighters a chance to get better by constantly putting him in with inferior opposition. And then the end result is what we see when you see a young fighter with all of this fanfare and all of this hype and he goes in and he fights a real fight and gets blown out. You know, that's the and it's and it's dangerous. That's the big problem. If these guys had to actually climb the ladder and really fight Uh, a contender that's above them and beat them and climb that rung and then fight the next one and and work their way all the way up to a number one we would see great championship fights unfortunately you see a uh the guy who's supposed to win on one corner and then the guy who's got a 45 to one shot in the other and then when they win the the long shot the first word out of everyone's mouth is the other fighter was exposed
2: you know my kids will ask me or friends will ask me who aren't really uh, big into boxing that they were looking around whether or not be on box record they were reading an article saying they seen this guy who had only 25 wins and 200 losses how are they allowing this guy to fight this guy must stink you know how he must be the worst fighter in the world and then you know when you talk to him and you, you know you bring up the record and you explain to them look this person irregardless of the fact they had this many losses they have fought 15 world champions, 20 world champions on their way up. And these guys, out of all those losses, have only been stopped once or twice. And those one or two stoppages were never called. They were TKO'd. And that year they had fought 9, 10, 11 times. Those are what, you know, you refer to on the show all the time as professional opponents. And it's those professional opponents that are very good. They're, they're not average. They're very good fighters. That's why they can have so many fights and only be stopped, you know, once or twice. And those are the guys that are helping the other, uh, the, the stars get better. They're the ones that are helping these young fighters like an Isaac Dogman get better because every time they go in there these guys have every single trick there is they're showing them all these tricks they're giving them um, exposure they're helping them uh, learn how to deal with overcome, maybe deal with a little bit of adversity so when they're ready to step up to that next level there's no surprises, they're not going to panic and they're not going to second guess themselves when they're not dominating or controlling the fight
1: True, No, I I agree with you Um, A couple other things I wanted to ask you Uh, First and foremost, uh, back to Lomachenko, you know, back from his surgery. He wins his fight. He's now a unified, uh, lightweight champion. Um, You know, what's next for him? I I mean, Javante Davis is the guy. Tank Davis, uh, rumor has it that he's going to be sitting out until his uh, uh, deal with uh, Mayweather Promotions expires, and then uh, we'll see him in some good fights. Uh, if these two get in the ring, and, and I'm a big Tank Davis fan, there's no question about it, uh, but Tank Davis does not have the uh, experience of a Lomachenko and certainly hasn't fought the level of opposition as a Lomachenko. And assuming that he does stay uh, curbed for a little bit, how many fights do you think Tank Davis would have to have in order to be ready to uh, give uh, Vasily Lomachenko
2: a challenge? first we'd have to see davis what kind of shape he gets in at lightweight and then we'd also have to see davis pick up his punch output um davis who like you i'm a fan of and i know that he's dying to get out of that mayweather contract and once he does and he gets around some other people maybe we'll actually see the best of davis but you know for tank davis to beat somebody like lomachenko laying on the ropes like that isn't going to get it done so davis like we were just speaking about, you know, he kind of, despite being, you know, a former world champion, may have to take it down a little bit and fight those guys just on that level underneath to gain a little bit more of that experience if he expects to go in there and be successful against a or a Mikey Garcia, depending on what he decides to do after his fight with Errol Spence Jr. And once he does that, then we'll generally know, you know, what to expect from Tank Davis in the future. But right now, the experience factor, be as a pro or an amateur – Considering as you stated the level of competition, Tank Davis would more or less, outside of his power and catching Lomachenko with a big shot, you know he he would get uh you know he he would become a showcase. He would be no different than a lot of other Lomachenko opponents, and he wouldn't um you know have the success that uh, Lenorez did for those nine rounds, or and he certainly wouldn't have that success that Pedraza had tonight. Considering Tank Davis isn't one of those guys who uses his feet a lot. Uh,
1: and the other thing is, is I think Pedraza wanted to. It, The reasons why he ended this fight uh, on his feet is because of his long reach. I I think that was the only uh, reason. You know, he doesn't have pop uh, that much pop uh, behind his punches, and I was a little surprised that Lomachenko didn't take him out of there. But as much as I love Tank Davis, his style, his attacking style is perfect for Lomachenko, so it'd be an interesting fight uh, to see how Tank Davis does. Plus, the other thing about Lomachenko that makes him so great in my mind, even though tonight clearly was an off night, is that his whole life revolves around boxing. You don't see him doing some of the stupid things you and I have discussed that Javante Davis has been wrapped up in and uh, some of the uh, uh, the outside-the-ring antics that uh, may be okay, to do but when you're a when you're a professional boxer especially at these levels that we're talking about that kind of uh lifestyle wears you down and there's plenty of time for it you know one of the things uh that uh you know keeps good fighters good is the fact that they uh you know kind of keep their noses clean outside
2: the ring what's your thoughts oh absolutely you know you can't. That old expression, you can't have one foot in the gym and one foot in the streets because there's gonna be that guy like we seen with Isaac Dogbow. Not saying that uh, Dogway, um, you know, he has one foot in the gym, one foot in the streets, uh, you know, kind of like you know some other fighters, or you know, like you're saying about uh, Javante Davis, is that you know, uh, you know, when you do that, you you know, you're robbing yourself, and you know, robbing yourself. Not only are you robbing yourself of your career, you're robbing yourself physically, and usually it's those prime years that we see. We've seen that with Mike Tyson. He robbed himself of those prime years and the best years, and you sort of more or less get forgotten about before you actually reach your plateau in your career.
1: Right, but I mean, some of these guys are really ruining their career by doing what they do.
2: They absolutely do. That's what I'm saying. You know, you, it can't be both ways. You know, it's okay to do that if you want to be, as, we were, as I was stating before, a professional opponent, but not if you want to be elite. Floyd Mayweather, regardless of anybody's opinions on his opponent choice, whatever the case may be, is that he was always in shape. And a lot of guys in the sport aren't always in shape. And once they step to somebody, like we've seen with Dog Bay tonight, against Narvate. Naravate, a guy who they thought they were going to beat, and all of a sudden the things didn't go that way, they have no plan B. Lomachenko, did you uh, listen to that interview you did earlier tonight? You know, is he, he said, you know, why are you so difficult to deal with? And he said, because I always walk into the ring and I have four plans. I don't have just one plan. Too many fighters walk into the ring with just one plan and that you know could be another reason you know he maybe didn't put on the performance we expected we were hoping for from him tonight but what if he did only have one plan would he have been able to overcome and over and deal with the movement of pedraza and the length of pedraza probably not so that's what separates a very good fighter from a world-class fighter from an elite fighter from a pound-for-pound fighter again terence crawford also fits that mold
1: yeah i listen terence crawford clearly is is a pound for pound top pound for pound guy you know why we're talking about pound for pound I'm seeing a guy normally I don't mention comments uh in the chat room uh, unless they uh give us a super chat but uh uh the truth of the matter is you know my pound for pound Dax you know as well as I they created the pound for pound rankings for Sugar Ray Robinson uh because heavy heavyweight in my opinion any weight class except the heavyweight is, could be a pound-for-pound pound fighter. Heavyweight is already supposed to be the baddest man on the planet. So the pound-for-pound pound ratings is just to give a smaller fighter uh, a shot at, you know, being, being a number one guy, or at least the way it was back in the day when it was for real. And the way, the way I look at pound-for-pound pound is if you take a fighter with all of his talent all of his attributes, his strengths, his weaknesses, whatever, and you make that same fighter into another weight class, um, giving, letting him retain all of that, would he be just as good? A heavyweight, and I've always used Klitschko as an example, Klitschko is so much bigger and stronger and as a heavyweight he's great. But how much bigger and stronger would it be at a lower weight class? He would. His strength was his height and his his size advantage over his opponents at the time. That's why I don't think a heavyweight could be in a, in a pound for pound. But that's just my thoughts. What's yours?
2: And again, that goes back to what I was stating when I was listening to the Roy Jones' comments on HBO during the Juan Francisco Estrada fight, and he was using uh, Roman Gonzalez as um his example for a point, you know, for as good as Roman Gonzalez was and everybody was considering him the pound for pound best fighter of sport you know, Roman Gonzalez, he didn't really show us, you know, sensational footwork. He didn't show us that lateral movement. You know, he only showed us the fact that he was dominant when he was able to impose his will on fighters. And he was winning. And it was because he had racked up so many wins that made him, you know, that people consider him that pound-for-pound fighter. But, you know, a guy like Estrada is the reason, you know, how this topic came up. Estrada can do everything where he can knock guys out. He's offensive. He's defensive. And, you know, again, not to beat a dead horse, that's what makes Lomachenko and Lawrence Crawford so good is they can do everything they can knock guys out they're good offensively they're good defensively they can switch styles they're always in shape and you made a valid point you know with the heavyweights it's okay you know, how would they be if they came down a little bit? And, again, another valid point you made was the heavyweight champion was always considered the baddest man. You know, the heavyweight division was a flagship division. It was always the heavyweight champion and everybody else underneath him. And I agree 100%. These pound-for-pound pound ratings were made so we can decide who was the very best in the sport outside of the heavyweight champion. You you know, it used to be a given. The heavyweight champion was the absolute best in the sport and everybody else was second best and you had to vibe to figure out who was the second best
1: exactly and and that's what it, that's what it was designed for and today it's it's taken uh, a totally different turn but uh it's all good as long as people are are still uh discussing it so uh lomachenko his performance tonight um wasn't lomachenko lomachenko isk but he got the job done unified a title um, you know, I I loved what I saw in the eleventh round, uh, but the other uh uh rounds, uh eh, not so much. But uh I was uh just like the fight last week between Deontay Wilder and Tyson Fury, I kinda was on the edge of my seat for this whole fight, Dax, waiting for something to happen. And speaking of Tyson Fury, Deontay Wilder, it came out in the news right after the fight, uh that all of a sudden Deontay Wilder was saying that he uh Uh, hurt his arm he was fighting with a with a bad right hand uh doesn't want to make an excuse but you know what Dax I thought that Deontay Wilder if he didn't say anything and just whether he's injured or not whether he was injured or not um I, I just felt that if he didn't say anything and just moved forward and and set up the rematch uh, or even had another fight possibly with Anthony Joshua, whatever the case was, would have been a much smarter move. By him coming out, making an excuse for not being able to knock out Tyson Fury, I thought that that was a bad move on his part, and I hope other people uh, you know, discredit him for doing that as much as I do. What's your thoughts?
2: Well, Deontay Wilder kind of, as we've spoke about this many times, Deontay Wilder has a hard time speaking with the media because of the fact that He's more or less his own PR guy. So one day he says this, the next day he says that. Deontay Wilder did admit, you know what, I was over anxious in the fight. I swung wild. I got tired. I was looking for my target too hard. When you look for it too hard, the knockout doesn't come. And then, of course, you know, a day or two later, he comes out with, oh, it was my arm. You know, whether or not you had hurt your arm, you hurt your hand, whatever that case may be, That shouldn't have prevented you from using the jab. It shouldn't have prevented you from using your footwork. It shouldn't have prevented you from using a variety of punches instead of just relying on that one big punch. So, yeah, Deontay Wilder, more or less, you know, he kind of made himself look bad with that, but he, again, kind of fits that mold that we were just speaking about where he hasn't had enough opponents to kind of help round out his skill set Remember, you know, he's fought A lot of the guys that are very one-dimensional And that power has always been able to bail him out And the power wasn't able to bail him out With Tyson Fury And when Tyson Fury kept getting up That was even more discouraging Because now you start uh, questioning your own power And maybe he started swinging wild more Trying to say to himself This can't be, you know This this can't be I, I know he should stay down And all I gotta do is just hit him one more time And he got reckless That's something they're gonna have to work, uh, work in the gym And maybe... Before they take another, uh, before they go with that rematch with Tyson Fury, it might be smart for Deontay Wilder to take one or two mandatory defenses and try and see if he can uh, incorporate those skills that I know he does have because we've seen him use them in the past. Um, unless you know, next time I just see a repeat, same thing happening, and I see a repeat, same thing's gonna happen when Kovalev faces Alvarez in their rematch too. Kovalev's a guy who just who could box, but he fell in love with his power and abandoned everything else. We see that far too often today.
1: Yeah, I you know my my point is is that Deontay Wilder showed some class, uh, which is very unlike him because he's a you know doesn't have much, but uh, he showed some class after the fight uh, with Tyson Fury, you know, man to man, and you know I I kind of I kind of thought that it was just a, a lesson that he learned, you know, he he was a, I've always said he's a one trick pony, he's only got punching power, it's helped him. I, I said that he was going to do what he did, revert back to just head hunting, um, and you know I, I would have thought that he would have just learned from that and look, look, you know, tried to look forward to the to the rematch. Instead, he came out with the excuse, which bothered me. Uh, but you're right about one thing, and we did talk about it last week. It was actually the first time I saw him really tire out. I mean, he was spent. He couldn't even. I I think in that last round, if he was able to muster up a few more punches, maybe he puts Tyson Fury out. Uh, But uh, uh, fatigue, I I don't know. I I don't know what to think. But I I am looking forward to uh, uh, whoever he fights uh, next. So
2: takes takes more energy to miss a punch and it does to land a punch. You what? know we, we know that and that's what happened with Deontay Wilder. He missed a lot of punches, so that fatigue, you know, especially as the fight said uh the fight progressed, got into those later rounds, it was a factor. You know, so that's again, you know, something where I think he would have to maybe get more a better variety of sparring partners or take a few other fights to you know, calm himself down where maybe not at that level he can work on some stuff. These are things that should have been, again, done with him years ago instead of, you know, now when he's at that point where there's only, there, there, you can't go down. You know, when you fight Tyson Fury who's the lineal heavyweight champion and the other guy in the division, the top dog is Anthony Joshua, anybody else that you fight underneath them is just looked at as, you know, cherry picking, you know, you're going down, you're not progressing and you're not going to get any better. You know, mismanagement, bad matchmaking, you know, that's another problem in sport. But, you know, that, that, that's for another day.
1: Right. I, I, you know, I, what what they could do with matchmaking is try to, uh, uh, you know, build their fighters up uh, a little better uh, along you the know, way.
2: You know, a funny thing, I forget who I was having a conversation with or who was mentioning this earlier today, but they said they were speaking with a trainer who said that he tells their fighters the jab is overrated. And that, you know, he doesn't tell his fighters to rely on the jab. I don't know who the trainer was, but uh, when somebody told me that, you know, me and other people were just saying to ourselves, is this, you know, did this person really say this? Is he really teaching these fighters? I don't know. Is this maybe the guy just started training? I don't know what kind of book he read, um, you know, to... Declare himself a trainer But tonight we've seen uh, We've seen two cases that In the Tyson Fury Against Deontay Wilder fight Deontay Wilder would have done Much better if he worked Behind his jab And the same thing With Jose Pedraza Against uh, Vasily Lomachenko Imagine if Pedraza Would have pumped his jab All night What a different fight That would have been
1: yeah, no, well, uh, Pedraza, Pedraza gave Lomachenko some trouble. Uh, there's no question about it. You know, when we look at Lomanchen- Right, right,
2: my point is imagine if he was using his jab while he was, while he was, you know, using his footwork, you know. They abandoned that jab, and that's your fundamental. Your jab could be your bread and butter. Larry Holmes made a career out of his jab.
1: Well, I thought Pedraza did use, uh, use his jab. Uh, he wasn't landing as many, but he, he was keeping Lomachenko um in check uh, you know which surprised me you know when you look at Lomachenko's record and you see who he fought as a pro I mean you can't argue with the level of opposition that he's faced I mean I, I you know I, there, there's not really one fighter on his resume that you could say was a layup fight even his first fight as a pro he fought Jose Ramirez uh back in uh, 2013 so I, I mean Really, uh, there's nothing anybody could say uh, for people that are trying to put. Uh, and and I love Javante Davis, but people that are trying to put Tank Davis in the same uh, breath as as Lomachenko. I mean, it is a little ridiculous, considered uh, you know who he's fought and who he's made quit on the stool, uh, virtually ruined the careers of uh, uh, Nicholas Walters and and Rigandau. I mean, uh, Guillermo Rigondeaux. Quit on the stool. He's never really been the same. Uh, Linares gave a good fight, but you know uh, uh, couldn't get up from the body shot.
2: But it was a different style too. Linares um, is a better version than uh, Pedraza. You know uh, he fought. He has fought at a higher level against um, you know fellow world champions a lot longer than Pedraza has. But again, you know, he's, he's tall, he's lanky, he's fast, and Lomachenko had issues against him. So maybe that's Lomachenko's Achilles heel as he's moving up in weight or these tall, lanky fighters that have speed and that move.
1: Definitely. I, I definitely think that. Um, and, and Linares wasn't quite, didn't have the arm reach that Pedraza had. You know, and just for just for argument's sake, for all the doubters out there, you know, when you look at Terence Crawford, and I know this uh, Terence Crawford didn't fight tonight, but I I can't stand when I hear people that don't give him any credit. You know, you, you go back and you look at his his uh, resume. He fought some decent fighters on the way up, but the fight that started his incline was the Breedis Prescott fight. People forget, Dax, and I know you and I just recently discussed this, but. He was brought in as an opponent to get Brutus Prescott back on the winning track when he fought him. Um, he had a winning record. He was—I'm talking about Crawford. He had a winning record. He was fighting out of Nebraska. Nobody thought anything of it. They really didn't give him much credit. The only big name he did—he did have. Uh, Wins over uh, David Rodella, which was an impressive impressive win, and an old Derek Campos. Uh, So they figured, hey, this guy's got a good record. We'll put him in with Prescott. uh, Wins a decision over Prescott. Then he goes in with the hard-hitting Alejandro Santabria, uh, knocks him out. Uh, Andre Kilimov, you and I just were talking about him, uh, beats him then Ricky Burns, then Gamboa, then Ramundo Beltran, then Thomas DeLoreme. <laughs> you know, Jean was a... Was even a, though... Uh, even no, though but Crawford... I mean, all, all these fights, though, Victor P- uh, Postel, uh, uh you know, all these fights, uh, for people to say that he doesn't have a good resume, uh, they're, they're just foolish. It, it just irks me.
2: But again, like, the Klimoff fight that, yeah, we did just discuss that last week, I believe. You know, Crawford because he had problems with Klimov he won the fight convincingly but he didn't go out there and knock him out like everybody thought he should have because Klimov moved a lot Um, at times he went into a survival mode and Crawford you know he looked he, he didn't really look sensational in that fight. And I remember him coming out on social media and apologizing, saying, You know, I'm sorry. It's hard to look good. It's hard to look sensational and, and get the knockout when your opponent's in there to survive. So, you know, very much like um, uh, Lomachenko tonight, even though Crawford at that point in time in his career wasn't up you know, to that level that he is now, of course. But, you know, they wrote him off. Every time a fighter that has expectations doesn't perform to the standards that we place upon them, they're either overrated, um, the, the, the opponent, was 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 um was paid off to take a dive if they should happen to fall too quickly you know this sport you know there's no appreciation or perform like the pound-for-pound pound best guy because they have these wins. You know, this is boxing, and, you know, the sport, that's why you're a professional. Every guy that steps inside that ring is, you know, brings some sort of challenge, brings some sort of danger, and every fighter is different, and that is why we see these top guys, and that's how we declare who is good because on how the fact they're able to deal with no matter what situation that comes to them, and they're managed to get that win one way or another. So, you know, all the fighters, the top names, whether or not it's a Klitschko that you mentioned before, whether or not it was a Roman Gonzalez that Roy Jones was talking about before, whether or not it was Lomachenko tonight, whether or not it's Crawford. They've all had these moments, and boxing fans just need to understand, you know what, you're watching the sport for a reason, and they're actually in the ring getting paid for them to do this for a reason.
1: Yep. Um, you know, uh, people that just... You see, it's the same fans that look at an undefeated record and immediately cry that the fighter is good. You know, so same thing with uh, with the the people that don't think that uh, you know Crawford has fought tough opposition. Lobanchenko, you can't argue that he that he hasn't. He's fought the best of the best of in the weight class. And the other thing is in these smaller weight classes, Dax, people don't understand. You know, you could be looking at a fighter today. And say like like a Prescott's a great example. You look at a guy like him today, and nobody thinks anything of him. But when he knocked out Amir Khan, he was like the next best thing, you know. So you have to put in perspective when a fighter fights an opponent, when they fought, and what what kind of significance that fighter had at that time. Every fighter declines, so uh, it's just it's just a lack of boxing knowledge, I think, by uh, some of the fans.
2: Uh, it, it is a lot, you know. It, um, you got to realize in this country, Bill. If you think about it, light heavyweight, heavyweight. Welterweight, junior middleweight are really the only divisions that anybody pays attention to, and the average boxing fan could have a conversation about that last more than two minutes when it pertains to who's actually in that division, who the champions are. You know, it, it's an international sport. In other countries, they focus on these smaller divisions, and that's what made. You know, that's you know that's the difference between um, you know fans in every country, and you know in some countries. They only focus on those small divisions, and they really don't know about, you know, what's going on with the upper divisions. Uh, But, you know, when it comes to situations like you were just mentioning, there are guys out there like Darnell Boone, who has made guys, including in Andre Ward at times time, or in Adonis Stevenson when he was coming up. You know, has totally uh, taken the steam out of their sales. But the fact how they went on after those fights is what matters, and that's what made them as good as they were. Because a guy like Darnell Boone actually made them not only tested them inside the ring, but tested them mentally outside the ring and made them question themselves on whether or not this is actually the sport for me. And we need guys like that for every fighter to fight, not just you know one or two guys.
1: No, no doubt, <coughs> no doubt. I, listen, the 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 best thing to. To have the, the top fighters fighting each other is to have them climb the ladder of of contendership and uh, beat the guy above them. It's that simple. Um, but uh, in any event, Dax, any final thoughts on the Lomachenko fight?
2: No, as like I said, I just think we're being a little too hard on Lomachenko, and I don't think that uh, Pedraza is getting enough credit. You know that that's that's just my opinion. And well, as far as the top ten, remember, Bill, it's not so hard to be in the top ten when you got a chance. You know, you could be one in fifty guys in the top ten when you boil down all the sanctioning bodies.
1: No, I know, I know.
2: It's not like the old. Days. No, I you know. I always said, "How I, did the guy I, from Virginia become the federal Latin champion from the Caribbean?"
1: No, I, I listen, I, and I've always said that, you know. But with that said. If a fighter with all of the, the you, you're literally 100% right. You could have up to 50 top 10 contenders in any weight class with the four sanctioning bodies, right? You could have up to 50. And uh, my, my point is, even with the diluted contender rankings, depending upon which sanctioning body you're with, these fighters still don't fight top 10 guys in any of the it's not like they're fighting the top 10 computer ranking guys they're, I'm just asking that they climb the ladder in whatever sanctioning body they want to Dax but they gotta fight the guy that's good that's all they can't they can't fight guys with uh, barely 500 above 500 records you know barely above 500 records. And then uh, all of a sudden, get a title shot. That that you can't gauge a fighter by feeding them opponents like that.
2: It's not your dad's boxing,
1: as they say. No, <laughs> it's not. Dax, I appreciate your thoughts, and uh, we'll look we'll look forward to you next week, man. All
2: right, everybody. Well past my bedtime, so I'll talk to you soon.
1: Night, night, Dax. Uh, that's Dax Gunn. You can check his uh, column out up on BillyCBoxing uh, dot com. Listen, I'm going to take a short break. When I come back. Uh, We're going to have Alex Papali give us his thoughts uh, on uh, Lomachenko's performance tonight. Don't go nowhere. Billy will be right back. Now back to Billy C. Interact with the show at BillyCboxing.com. And where? Back. You're watching and listening to the Billy C show. Glad you could be with us. Uh you know, every time I see that Doctor Ho commercial, you know, oh if you act right now, is it five hundred dollars? No, it's not five hundred dollars. Four hundred dollars, no, it's not four hundred dollars, three hundred dollars, no, it's not three just call for the regular price. Well, how much is it? Tell me how much this thing is, you know. But uh uh in any anyway, Hey, joining us right now, hopefully hopefully he can hear us uh is uh my man uh, alex papali what's up alex <laughs> yeah. Good morning, Billy. Yeah. Jay, how are you? <laughs> yeah. Not, not bad. I was ready to say oh no, not again. <laughs> not man, you you're my new Mr. Technical guy, you know, but uh uh anyway, uh I appreciate you staying a- awake for us here. Uh you know, we were contemplating uh, uh doing the post fight show later uh like tomorrow, but uh, we figured we'd do it now. What's your thoughts Lomachenko against Pedraza? Uh how do you think his performance was?
0: Uh, I really thought it was an enjoyable fight. Um, I thought uh, Pedraza really brought it and uh, give major credit to him. Uh, he fought his ass off. Uh, I think Lomachenko didn't look as sharp as he usually does. Um, and I think, like you guys were talking about, I think that that's one of the things about you know being this mythic pound-for-pound pound best is you got to look great every time out. And I think he did the best he could, but I think definitely the seventh month layoff showed and uh, the surgery showed, and that's going to be an interesting thing of whether or not that is, um, you know, it continues to be an issue going forward. I mean, it's, it's hard to knock a guy who won um, a unanimous decision by such a wide margin um, because of the, you know, the, three-point round, you know, in that 11th with the two knockdowns, of course, which, again, Linares couldn't get up from that body shot Pedraza did. Um, That's pretty amazing. But um, I had it 116-110 at the end for Lomachenko. But uh, I think he could have won easier and would have won easier with a more functional shoulder because you definitely did not see the right uppercuts and the right hooks that you usually do from him. Um, that said, he still was dominant. Uh, but Pedraza gets major points because he did show that, you know, Lomachenko is not uh, superhuman. You, there are things you could do to, um, you know, give him a few wrinkles. Uh, he showed that he can adapt. But um, yeah, I, like you said earlier, I think maybe he slips from number one pound for pound to 1A. <laughs> yeah,
1: you know, but, um, you know, he. I don't think we saw... First of all, surgery is a funny thing. You know, sometimes in baseball, when a, when a pitcher gets Tommy John surgery and then they finally come back, uh, it's usually a whole season before they get back into form, you know, even though they... Physically, uh, you know, the injury is healed or or fixed or whatever, uh, and they get the okay from from the experts. Uh, You know, it takes a a whole nother year. Well, I don't think boxing is any different. Um, You know, what always comes to mind is Jeff left hook lacy. After he had his uh, surgery on his left, he never threw a left hook again. You know, I mean, uh, you know, and and I'm not so sure Lomachenko was afraid to let uh you know the the him himself throw the hooks and the uppercuts uh, but but I think Pedraza kept him far enough away where an uppercut uppercut or a left hook might not been that easy to throw anyway the only round that he seemed to get inside and beat Lomachenko was that 11th round and and as far as the score goes you know I, I, the scores seem to kind of be all over the place, even for a one-sided unanimous win. I got to be honest with you, Alex. I'm scoring this fight. I didn't give one round to Pedraza. And I didn't. Really? You know, the funny thing is, is I wasn't. It wasn't that I didn't think he was performing well. It's just that throughout the 12 rounds, he really didn't do anything, in my opinion, to win the round. Yes, he was throwing. Like, the round one it, it basically defines it in my mind. I, I, You could have easily given Pedraza round one because he was aggressive. He was throwing, throwing the jabs. He was coming after Lomachenko. But the only solid punch landed in that in that first round was by Lomachenko, and those jabs weren't really landing on Lomachenko. He was throwing them, he was moving, and he looked busy, but he wasn't doing anything to Lomachenko. You know, I I went against my own rule. I asked last week how many jabs equals a power punch. You know, but the jab has to at least land, and I didn't see anything land on Lomachenko. Now, his face would suggest otherwise. You know, he did have some uh, marks on his face and stuff uh, after the fight. But uh, but to be honest with you, as, as much credit as I'm giving Jose
0: Pedraza, I didn't give him any rounds. Yeah, I thought that he started, and it was mostly straight punches. I thought that the fourth and the fifth was where he started to um, actually, you know, take rounds. You're right. The first was very close. I don't I don't think I gave him the first um but um I uh I could see if you did because like you said very little happened um but uh Lomachenko did catch him at one point but again that is one of those questions he caught him but did that negate the whole round of Pedraza doing some decent work what just being um,
1: aggressive i mean well, see that's and, that's the but
0: see yeah you're right i cuz i think then you have to look at other things like positioning, who's making the other guy fall for feints. But Draza did do that more than we've seen with Lomachenko, um, is that he was giving him some defensive moves uh, and making himself hard to hit, some head movement, that we haven't seen Lomachenko, uh, you know, sort of bedeviled by in the past. But again, it could be because he didn't quite have – you know, maybe he usually has like 24 punches in his arsenal or 36 punches in his arsenal. He had maybe only 30 tonight. You know, Still I, a badass. I don't. I don't. I don't know.
1: I, I think that you know what we all seem to call feel out rounds. I, I think that Lomachenko had more feel out rounds. I think Lomachenko was looking at this fight as more of a test to his own body. Than really a test of whether he could beat Jose Pedraza. Not no discredit discredit to Pedraza, but that's what it looked like to f- the way he fought. He 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 fought cautiously. He fought smartly. He wasn't hit by anything that was going to hurt him. Um, you know, it was a feel out. It, it 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 seemed like feel out rounds all the way up until the sixth or seventh. You know, what I mean, and and usually, you know, fighters that like to feel. F- you know their opponents out maybe four rounds before they they go into their game plan and it seemed to me that it took uh, Lomachenko a while and like we're all admitting you know you got to give Pedraza the credit it, it he he was effective but not effective you know what i mean i i mean in other words he had the height he had the reach he was doing what he should have done uh you know throwing the jab moving uh, you know, making it difficult for for Lomachenko, who seems to make it look very easy to attack his opponents, he seemed to make it difficult, but he didn't really do anything to to win the fight.
0: No, oh, I don't, I don't think it was. It no, was no, close.
1: I'm not, I'm not saying it was close. I'm saying it, it, his game plan, at some point, by doing what he did, he would have had to move in for the kill. He, it looked like he was. It looked like his game plan was to make it to the end of the fight
0: yeah i think and i think at some point um that happens at least most so far it's happened to everybody with lomachenko um and i think that um in in a way he should that's certainly a moral victory and i think part of it was just this deep sense of ethnic pride there was no way he was stop. he was quitting in that fight with um you know a room full of puerto ricans and um and he sure he sure did show massive guts getting up from that knockdown um, in the eleventh round. I mean, those two knockdowns in the eleventh round, and and um, you know, it really is one of those things where um, I don't know. I mean, because to me, this sport is a brutal sport, okay? And I thought that um, the fight before it, the dog bay fight. I didn't think that needed to go into the 11th and 12th. I thought they could have stopped that in the corner before round 11. And I think if that fight was in Connecticut, I think they would have stopped it. Because uh, I think there's just, I think the Connecticut, the doctors in the State Athletic Commission here are just a little more humane. Uh, Maybe you could argue, argue sensible, because there was no need for Dog Bay. In those last six minutes, he did not throw many punches. Um, and you know, the, the 12th round was completely gratuitous. Um, I I don't know it, uh, it's just, to me, I love this sport and I realize it's a violent sport and that's part of what I love about it. You know, I mean, I was amazed last week when fury got up from that knockdown. Um, but I don't want to see people get killed. And, um, The Dog Bay fight, Navarrete had had shown, hey, this is over. I've shown my dominance. The rest of this is just gratuitous. Um, There was no chance Dog Bay was going to land a bomb. Uh, I don't know. To me, those last two rounds, I didn't need to see that.
1: You know, Dog Bay did throw the hardest punches he could and didn't affect uh, Navarrete, so... you know, I'm with you. I thought the fight should have been stopped, but it surprised me that the commission didn't stop it. New York is is overprotective. I mean, they give you they give the fighters physicals in between rounds. Uh, you know, they have doctors jump up on the ring and stop the action and inspect. I mean, they over they're overcautious. Uh, you know, it was strange to see. Um, you know uh, 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 who was it? Benji Est- was Benji the that uh, is, yeah. Yeah, you know he was the he I was so. the uh, uh, ref. I, he comes in in between the eleventh and twelfth round. Show me something. Show me something. You t- you're telling him to show you something now in the last round. That's the round that most referees let the fighter end the fight on his you know on his two feet. You know he should have warned him three rounds earlier. You know and and like Dax was saying too. That's a lot of times you what you get when the father is the trainer. You know they're they're a little too tough for their kid. They, they, he dog bay was beat up, and during his post fight interview, he, he was slurring his words. His thought process wasn't clean or crisp. Um, I you know I hope he goes and gets checked out. I hope no, New York will will make him go get checked out or and put him on a thirty day suspension at least uh, for taking the beating that he did.
0: Yeah, I, 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 you know, hopefully uh, he's getting medical care right now. You know, I don't know. I mean, because you can't really go. We know this board is subjective, but sometimes you see the swelling that you see on a guy like Dog Bay, and it's, it's ind- indicative that something bad is going on. Now, I'm not a doctor, but I've watched fights for 35 years. So to me, it's one of those things that, It's sort of if you have anecdotal evidence, you're you're talking about brain damage. Uh, You should err on the side of caution, especially when a fight has been decided and the Navarrete fight had been decided, Um, especially I think it was after the 10th. That was where it seemed like, okay, now Dog Bay is reacting to getting hit in a way that he's barely able to defend himself. And he was starting to get easy to knock down. The slip was, I mean, that was his own corner. That was kind of hard to believe that they didn't say wipe up the corner even before the round because, I mean, but again, at home, you're, you're treated to all these crazy angles. So the aerial angle, you could see there was so much water in that corner. Maybe you didn't notice it if you were standing there.
1: Well, I tell you what, the, there was a knockdown that the referee missed in that fight. That first yeah. knockdown, that was clearly a knockdown, and I was shocked that he called it a slip. Um, and that I, would
0: have favored Dog Bay, yeah. That yeah, would have made the But, they, but still
1: play. wouldn't have won the fight for him, you yeah. know. Uh, but uh, what was your thoughts on uh, Teofimo Lopez's uh, annihilation of Mason Menard?
0: That was just crazy. I mean, what a shot that was. Yeah, he caught him uh, perfectly – and when you see face first knockdowns, that usually is it.
1: How about and the le- how about the leg twitch?
0: Yeah, he was twitching and he kind of he froze sort of show, throwing a jab. It was strange the position he was in. Yeah, it was um, a startling knockout. And I'm sure that that will um, you know not, because it seemed like the whole show was sort of there was a lot of downtime before the main event. And uh, it seemed like they were doing a lot of commercials for ESPN. So at least we'll know that that knockout clip there will uh, make it onto Sports Center, I'm sure. Because, you know, how, how many times do you have a face-first knockdown?
1: Well, you know, it's unfortunate that fighters today, and I was saying this earlier, that they get, you know, they move up uh, like Mason Menard, you know, 34 wins but take a look at who he beat, you know, and then you put him in with a real fighter and you almost kill a guy, you know what I mean? So, you know, I think boxing needs to tighten that up a bit uh, for sure. But uh, back to uh, Lomachenko, um, what was your thoughts on him and, like I was saying, his lack of attack until the 11th round? Do you, do you think that this was a feeling out for himself, or do you think that Pedraza... Um, dictated this fight and and made it made it hard I I don't mean dictated the fight by by winning it but dictated um, the performance of Lomachenko do you you think he just was forced into that cautiousness or uh, what's your explanation I
0: think think that um, he was not I think the layoff affected him and I think coming bouncing back from surgery definitely affected him so he wasn't quite uh, the same versatile uh, fighter that we have seen in the past. I think Pedraza definitely posed um, a, a problem for him. Maybe, maybe, maybe a little more than he might have expected. But I think that the thing about him is that he has multiple strategies. And I think one of the things that he realizes maybe he was getting a little pain, uh, or like you said, the dimensions of the fight made it so that. That right hook just wasn't working. So he he realized, okay, so now my attack can't utilize the right hook that I was hoping to land. Um, so he had to adapt. I think that, you know, like I said, I think he showed that he's not superhuman, but I think that's a good thing. Um, and I think that um, the, as these guys get bigger, this is what happens, you know, uh, the dimensions of a fighter um, might mean more than if you if you lack the skill. And I think that's kind of what happened is if this was, you know, a lighter weight fight, maybe um Lomachenko would have been able to stop him. But now that at 135, you know, it, it's a little harder to stop these guys. We saw that with Lenaris. That fight had moments where it seemed pretty close and then he eventually wore him down. Uh so I think that maybe his knockouts that's what happened with Manny Pacquiao remember as he got bigger um, his stoppages came more from attrition and accumulation of blows rather than blowouts. Uh, but Lomachenko is really not a power guy like a Manny Pacquiao. He's more like a this this virtuoso where he gets you with just you know that sort of death by a thousand cuts uh, because he just hits you so many times. And I think that was one of the things we did see in the early going. It was sort of similar to the rigando fight where he even is able to nullify you by not only touching you when he wants, but he sort of is able to pick your shots out of the air. Um, He didn't do that quite as much tonight. I don't know. I, um, I still think he's, you know, one of the best fighters in the world, if not the best. He's one of my favorites. But um, I, I don't know. I, I think that one of the things that we learned from Lomachenko and especially seeing Fury too, this sport is about styles, Bill. It's it's more about styles than it is about just pure brutality. And right now we have uh, these two interesting stylists in the sport. Uh, one is 135 pounds, and we saw him tonight, and the other is two hundred and fifty pounds, and we saw him last week. And both these guys have styles that I am not sure anybody can cope with, and, and it's going to be a while until we see somebody who can.
1: You know, the thing about the injury, we keep talking about the injury with Lomachenko. You know, you, you get you get surgery, you you go in rehab, you healed up, you get the okay uh, to resume uh, your sport, and then you are working the bag, you are sparring. You're throwing hooks. You're, you're testing it out. Um, you know, something may never be the same with Lomachenko again. Uh, if, if he, I think the next performance will be the, the telltale because what we saw tonight was a guy fighting someone way taller and way longer arm reach, and I think that the move up in weight to lightweight is gonna, you know, we're not gonna see these knockouts anymore. So I think time will tell, one more fight. If he fights the same way against, uh, you know, a different opponent, then we got to assume that, you know, that the surgery is gonna, uh, you know, it's gonna, it took away some of his arsenal. I mean, uh, we have to, I mean, uh, there's nothing else we can look at uh, when that time comes. But I give him credit, he fought another champion. Unified a title, even if he wasn't a hundred percent. And we don't know this; we're just assuming this. Uh, for all we know, you know, Pedraza's style was uh, was the culprit. Uh, I ask you this: the big name that seemingly everyone wants is uh, Lomachenko against Javante Davis. How do you see that going?
0: Wow, that's a fun one. Um, I don't know. Um, i I like uh, Lomachenko because I tend to like um, uh, styles, and I think, but I don't know. I mean, it it was a puncher that got me into this sport in the sense of Mike Tyson. Um, I don't know. Uh, that's a tough one. I'd have to think about it. I'd love to see it. Um, I wa- I'd, was very much looking forward to Lomachenko Garcia, but Garcia is, seems to be saying, "Hey, look, I'm bigger and I'm going north to welterweight." I don't know uh, how Lomachenko would do at welterweight, and I think we it could be if if Mikey Garcia does well versus Errol Spence, we might never see him as a lightweight again. So that so it's possible that you know. Garcia has just plain outgrown Lomachenko, which would mean Javante Davis would be a nice, you know, um, corollary. Uh, but yeah, it's a tough fight to call. I think it's it's definitely a a, a damn good fight too. Yeah. I, I don't know. I mean, I, I this is we're, we're really living in a great time. These Ukrainians are amazing. There's three badass Ukrainians, and you know, I hate to knock the Klitschko age, but the use the Ukrainian ukrainians we got today they're fun to watch they they fight that's for sure and yeah. uh you know the the tank
1: davis would 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 concerns me about him is uh you know he's waiting out his contract with mayweather which you know i'm kind of glad to see him do that but the negative side is the time off i mean this is his prime and when you look at who he's fought yes he's looked sensational but he hasn't fought anyone close to the caliber of uh, of Lomachenko, so uh, it'll be interesting to see. As far as Mikey Garcia, I'm telling you right now, Mikey Garcia is going to give Errol Spence some trouble. I'm not saying he's going to win. I, I mean, if the odds are are real crazy, I might put some money on Garcia. There's something about Mikey Garcia that brings, makes him step up to whatever level he's fighting. The guy hasn't lost. He's trying to do great things. All great fighters do great things. They do things where people say that they shouldn't, they can't, you can't win, you can't go that size, and then they win. That's what makes great fighters great, fighters that do things out of the ordinary. And Mikey Garcia is about to do it. Everybody's saying Errol Spence is the best, the best, the best. Let's be real. Who's he fought? Who's he fought? He fought Kell Brook. That's it. You know, I, so I don't know. Mikey Garcia, he's he's an intriguing cat. And uh, I'm telling people, that everybody's laughing uh, about uh, Mikey Garcia fighting Errol Spence. But I don't know, man. Uh, I, I I just don't think that he just uh, wants the paycheck. Uh, yeah, he's getting a nice paycheck, but I think they know they see something. They know something, and uh, I'm telling you that that's going to be a tough fight. You watch.
0: Oh, I'm looking forward to it. I th- I think you're right. I think they definitely think that they could win it, and I think uh, I I for their sake, I hope they you know are not. You know completely uh overmatching their guy uh i'm looking forward to it quite a bit we've got you know one of the things i was thinking and in a way those judges last week really kind of screwed screwed us because they made things a lot harder uh who do you think's fighter of the year um i mean do we have to wait to see the rocky field and canelo fight because if canelo wins that big he's got a good argument for it if um uh, Lomachenko, I'm not sure. You know what you think about his argument. If Tyson Fury had gotten the decision last night, that I thought, I mean, last week, that I believed he should have, he would have been the fighter of the year, no doubt about it.
1: He might still be. I don't. First of all, I don't think that. Uh... Um, I, I, I think he's a better shot than Canelo. Can, Canelo.
0: And I mean, think about it. If Wilder had got a legitimate win, say it was stopped in the 12th, he'd be fighter of the year. I don't Because he had he had RTs in March. His two best fights would have been this year.
1: What about Anthony Joshua?
0: Anthony Joshua had what? Uh, Parker and Povetkin this year. So he's he's in the running probably for fight of the year. And then who – is it way? Uh, I think um, he's in the running for – he's got to be in the running um, in terms of the little guys. Yeah, I don't know. It should be interesting. One thing I did want to say also – How about Yusek? Uh, How about Yusek? Oh, yeah, that's right. What am I thinking? Of course, yeah, Yusek has a really good shot. Um, but uh, what I was going to say before was that um, when you were talking about the um, – you know, the layoff and stuff is remember just a couple of weeks ago. Uh, who was it? Uh, Scott Crowla against Nonito Denaire, who it shows you that you could train as much as you want and be in good shape. But then in the ring, you never know you're going to, you're exerting yourself so much more because it's for real. And he, remember, he just pulled a muscle and lost the fight on just a medical TKO. And that wasn't even, he didn't even hit anything. He just threw a shot that threw everything out. It looked so painful in the replay. Yeah, well, that happens. So, I mean, that, that imagine with uh, Lomachenko using that shoulder that's, you know, freshly repaired who knows it could very well have been that he re-injured it we don't know yet
1: well i i think that we will see in his next fight but with all due respect i think jose pedraza uh deserves uh uh you know credit for 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 bringing it to 12 rounds but hey Absolutely. hey alex before we let you go and we could both uh you know go go nine. night um go uh, yeah go sleepies um speaking of deontay wilder it came out right afterwards that uh, he didn't want to make an excuse, but he hurt his shoulder before he went into the fight. I, I think that that was a terrible thing for him to do. I, I thought that, you know, he, he got out of Dodge. Uh, he You know, we all believe he lost the fight. Um, you know, he did drop Tyson Fury twice in that fight one time. We all thought that he killed Tyson Fury. Uh, You know, he should have just started to focus on the rematch or or now there's talk uh, of possibly fighting Anthony Joshua before the Tyson Fury rematch. But instead he goes and he has to make an excuse. You know, I I thought it was stupid. And I've always questioned their promotional tactics with him or his own promotional tactics since Lou DiBella doesn't do anything for him. What was your thoughts on them coming out with that?
0: i was a little surprised um because it you're right it does it does mar the whole um fight a bit but um you know he claimed it it happens fighters injure their hands all the time um you know which hand was it he threw a huge right the biggest right he landed of the whole fight he landed in the last round right so was that the hurt hand
1: right i I don't know
0: (laughs) you know um so whatever, to me, it doesn't really matter. It's the same thing with, uh, which I could not believe. I'm not sure if he, if he started it or if I think he was just retweeting a fan because I did see that someone had sent him a, a clip that they, you know, had videoed on their smartphone and were trying to say that it was a long count. You know, they were trying to pull the same crap that, uh, Don King tried with, You know, Mike Tyson and Buster Douglas, we knocked you out before you knocked us out, Um, because supposedly the count that Fury got in the final round was more than 10 seconds. Well, guess what? They often are. It's not seconds of a clock. It's a 10 count with done by a human being um so that that whole argument is a red herring the fact that he he retweeted that to me was like this is a guy that's looking for excuses um it's unfortunate but it doesn't take away with what what happened you know i mean um i don't know that was the thing that to me was great is that if you're a boxing fan you learn context and you remember you'll remember this fight just like if you remember um you know, Trinidad, De La Hoya, you remember having your opinion of what it was. All these close fights, you always remember, you know? Um, and that's the thing about boxing, is you learn, it, it helps you learn context. As, and it, context is an important thing in this life. That way you could, um, you know, when somebody like uh, George H.W. Bush dies, you could realize, well, what exactly are we eulogizing?
1: Hey, you know... uh because
0: context is important.
1: Yeah, you know, it, it reminds me of uh, Marvin Hagler's Sugar Ray Leonard.
0: Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know, That's true.
1: we could talk about that forever, but... Uh... Now,
0: and granted, I mean, I don't think... Um, I think uh, one of the things that happens a lot today is we get these manufactured controversies. I don't think that... Um, anything about Fury Wilder comes close to the controversies of like, like you're saying, like a Hagler Leonard or a, um, Meldrick Taylor, Julio Cesar Chavez. But because of the internet world, um, it we do kind of have to, people will try that every single time. If their guy didn't win, they're going to try to make it seem like it was a conspiracy.
1: In today's world, for sure. Yeah. You know, I mean, yeah. the, the thing that made, just for Hagler Hearn's argument, um, I mean Hagler Leonard argument. Uh, that fight uh, was close. You know. I mean, uh, I thought it was a draw for years and years. Um, the the Wilder Tyson Fury fight, I didn't think was close. The only th- reason why it became close on the scorecards was because of the knockdowns. But you take those away, and you can make the argument that Tyson Fury won all the rest of the rounds. But uh, or you know, at least what did I have one. 14 112 maybe or 114-111. I, I forget what I scored it, but uh, in any event. Alex, I appreciate you uh, staying up late and uh, talking about this fight. We'll be looking forward uh, to what goes on next. We are closing the year strong. And uh, yeah, put together your uh, uh, what you think all the awards should be and we'll discuss it next week.
0: Absolutely. Sounds good, Billy C. Take care.
1: All right, man. Take care. That's Alex Papali, and you can catch him next week. Hey, listen, uh, we appreciate you stopping by for our uh, Vasily Lomachenko-Jose Pedraza post-fight show. And uh, all I could say is uh, make sure you tune in next time. Same bat time, same bat channel. Until then, I'll leave you with this. Ciao,